Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're having a great day here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis slash St. Paul. We're feeling a little bit of that uh, summertime back. The weather is nice. Tom Brock is in shorts today, so I don't know what that says, but uh, it's going to be a great hour. Guy Talk is happening. The power panel today is Pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and uh, Agent 007, Pastor Justin Jepson, will be joining us. Uh, of course, he does everything on his time schedule, so we never know when he's going to drop in. And my friend Tiger Bakun is joining the panel as well. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. How, how are you, hey. Tiger? I'm doing great. Good. Sitting by the lake. <laughs> You're sitting by a lake. How nice is that? Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. So, um, how's everyone survived? Everyone doing Okay. I mean, I know I asked that question already, but I'm just asking it again, making sure everyone's feeling... Still breathing. Still breathing. Good. Still doing well. Good. Doing okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. you know, this uh, moving into the COVID flu winter season, uh, I'm glad for a couple days of respite because I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. Have you had any brushes with it yourself, or is that... Can you not uh, say some, anything? For some people, yeah, people I know, some family, uh, a grandson who's contracted and some others so yeah it's it's around yeah. yeah it is around it is so i just want to let uh listeners know you can let me uh ask your questions for you all you have to do is send them to me at 877-933-2484 again 877-933-2484 if you've got a question about the bible or uh, an issue that involves uh anything let us know we'd love to chew on it um, here's something to get us started. Hebrews 8.12, the Lord says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. All right. I think you've all had some deep betrayals, uh, and you've had times when people have uh, injured you. Are you able to forgive and forget, or is that something that doesn't happen in this life? <laughs> it's a tough one because... We're human beings, and I know with all the people I've worked with that uh, have come in to talk or whatever situation, carry a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and even when they've been betrayed and hurt, they can walk through the forgiveness and say, I forgive them for Jesus' sake, but they tell me that, you know, the next day it's back again, or they can't forget it, and it was driving them crazy. So, you know, basically what I've tried to help people understand biblically is that when the Lord talks about that he forgets, it doesn't mean he's brain dead, that he doesn't know what we've done. It's just almost like Romans, where legally he's no longer going to hold, us, hold it against us because we have been forgiven by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I try to tell people is, look, the thoughts will come back to your mind. You will remember what happened. You'll remember the pain. But every time you do, immediately take it back to Jesus and say, Jesus, for your sake and your shed blood, I forgive them and I want to walk in that. And I will tell you right now, if somebody has really hurt you and you're having a hard time forgiving, but you're willing to do that every day that it comes up for the rest of your life, you can know you are forgiven and you're in the right relationship with the Lord. I, I, go ahead, Tiger. 
Well, I was just going to say, I think it's very true that forgiveness and forget forgetting are on our side of heaven is are two different issues. And uh, forgiveness is not just to, uh, to for us, but it's it, it frees us up from the weight of that, uh, the hurt being not just something that happened in the past, but when we don't forgive, it stays with us every single day. So forgiveness allows us to, to separate, but it doesn't mean we're going to forget. And, and so I think that's right. We have to continually work on it, but forgiveness is the first step. Right. Love important. It. Bill Bright wrote a little book called How to Love by Faith years ago, and, I, and that really helped me. And the point of the book is we can't forgive on our own power. It's not in us. But whenever we pray according to God's will, he hears us and he answers the prayer. So if I'm mad at somebody, I can't forgive them. I say, Lord, I can't forgive this person, but in your strength and power, you've commanded me to forgive them. It's, it's uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then it says in John, if we pray according to your will, you hear us and you do it. So God, I forgive Mrs. So-and-so for what she did to me in Jesus' name. Amen. And in prayer, I forgive the person. That doesn't mean that the feelings, and, and five minutes later, I can go roar, roar, roar in my head again, but I've forgiven her. In God's sight, mm-hmm. and and if I had to pray again, Lord, you know, help me move on and and forgive. I do, but I think to the to if if you if someone has wounded you and you have never said, God, I can't forgive this person, but you've commanded me to forgive, and you promise in First John to give me the power to do what you command. I forgive this person for what they did to me in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that's the best we can do. And if it comes yeah, back, you pray again, you know. I learned this yeah. lesson, you know, you would think pastors never get hurt in the ministry. <laughs> you, can get, you can get hurt a lot by people, and you hurt yeah. people too. It just happens. I remember one person who hurt me deeply, deeply, deeply in the beginning of my ministry, and I must admit I was bitter. I was very bitter at this person. And it finally dawned on me one day when I was praying, because I kept saying, Lord, I want to forgive them. I want to walk in forgiveness, Jesus. So da, 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 da. When I was praying... In my mind, I visualized the Lord Jesus with his outstretched hands. And essentially what I I felt, he didn't say this, but what I felt from him at that moment was, Tom, from this moment on, your unforgiveness has to pass through me, and I've already forgiven you. The moment I did that, I got a freedom that I've never had before. Doesn't mean I don't remember what happened in the past. Of course I remember. But I don't need to get revenge. I don't need to get even. I don't need to do it because I don't want to hurt Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's already forgiven me. And so for me, that was a very freeing thing to do. Yeah, that's a key idea that uh, you, you got to do it by Jesus' power. And uh, and over time, the the angst that, it, that, that not forgiving creates in us dissipates and we we find ourselves feeling more whole because it, it doesn't have that negative power over us anymore because God is working through it. And, and so, again, we, I think we're saying the memories will still be there, but they won't be that power of wanting revenge or hanging on to the hurt or reliving it over and over in ways that are just simply destructive to us. Well, you, you look at the antithesis, Tiger, and I've met people, so have you, who are 30, 40, 50 years carrying bitterness and anger. Yeah. They don't know Absolutely. how to forgive. They haven't been forgiven, received the Lord's forgiveness. And, you know, and they're now 75 years old, and they're bitter people. Mm-hmm. They're right. hard to be around. They're angry at life. <laughs> they're angry at everyone. I mean, if, if a squirrel climbs up their tree, they're angry about it mm-hmm. because yeah. it has become their way of life. And I think the freedom of forgiveness is that it drains us 
of the bitterness. It drains us of the desire to hurt other people. And, you know, I think I saw this within two or three days. First, um, it was a newscast. Somebody killed somebody's sister. Time for sentencing. The family gets up. We, You've destroyed our lives. We hope you burn in hell. And then a couple days later, different murder. Family gets up. You've, you've, you've wounded us beyond what you can know, but for the sake of Jesus Christ and our Christian faith, we forgive you yes. and we will pray for you. Yes. Now, which of those two people is going to have a better life, yeah. you know? so Right. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. All right, I've been kicking this idea around, and I think I sent it out to everyone but Tiger, so I apologize for that, Tiger. Um, but I was thinking about Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, does God orchestrate the events of my life for my good? Is what God uh, doing a corporate response or a personal response or both? I mean, God always does what fulfills his purpose, which should ultimately be good for us, but may be harder to understand in earthly terms because it may not feel personal. Hmm. Did, I don't even know if I asked that question well. No, but you know what I'm thinking? If And I'm not going to get political, but with... I, I'm a little nervous. You remember Little Sisters of the Poor yeah. that got attacked by the White House when Obama was there, and, and they were in trouble because they wouldn't promote contraceptives. And much as I want to have leadership in our nation that are going to protect the Little Sisters of the Poor, if we don't get it, I remember what a Chinese pastor said. He said, don't pray for an end to persecution. He said, persecution, good for church. And you know, uh, we're talking about God's will. Whatever happens in the elections, God's in total control. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for American Christians to get some persecution because it, persecution is good for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just never know. But you do got to believe that Romans eight twenty eight. whatever happens in the elections are going to be for our good, even if it looks horrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess I've always thought that it's, you know, that passage he brings together those you know brings it to good doesn't mean it's good but there is in the long run in god's timing and god's place um he's able to bring good out of it and i think sometimes god brings good out of horrible things just you know whether it's persecution or or painful events and and you know, I don't think Romans 28 is like a little bow tie around problems say oh yeah god it's all good it's not good but God can do something uniquely that only God can do, and that is bring good out of that. If you get your Bibles, actually look at the text right now. Um, one of the things I learned about studying the Bible is to actually look hard at the text, because too often we look at the text, we get an idea, and then we put our own spin on it. What does the text say? It says there are two qualifiers when you go into this passage. First of all, this passage is for those that love God. If you don't love God through Jesus Christ— this doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you get in a car wreck and you're a non-believer. We can't talk about that's, you know, well, God's going to work all through that and it's so good. No, it doesn't say that. It says, for those who love God, uh, all things work together for good. For those who are what? Called according to his purpose, not our purpose, his purpose. And so it's aligning ourselves with his will. And the thing I find about the Lord is that... Uh, it, it's kind of being lost like you're lost in a forest. The Lord's just far enough ahead that when I'm totally lost, he says, Tom, come over here. 
And about the time I get there, you know, I've got to go on further. He knows how to get through the forest. I don't know how to get yep. through the forest. And that's the key to this passage. So this isn't a passage for everybody no. who apply to life. This is a passage right. for those who love God and are in his purpose, not simply doing their own thing. And do you know what the mm-hmm. Romans 8.28 is of the Old Testament? I think it's Genesis fifty twenty, Joseph saying to his brothers, oh, you meant it, is. you throwing me down in the well, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Yes. And so just, you know, even if that's, that's being abused by your brothers, yeah. God meant that for good. And he saved the whole family because of it. So it's mysterious, it's beyond our noodle, but I want to believe God is running the universe and not chance and not the devil. <laughs> yep. And I want to believe that, too, and I do. The problem is we don't have a very good uh, way to talk to people uh, that lose a child prematurely or somebody who's murdered uh, and it doesn't make any sense or a young woman who's raped, you know, and left her dad alongside the road. Mm -hmm. The difficulty we have in Christianity is then talking about how the Lord's working through that for good. And I think that that's where I get leery of uh, when I say the Lord's in charge of everything. Yes, he is in charge of everything. But my understanding is he's going to have the final say in everything. It doesn't mean he prompted Hitler to go kill all the Jews. It doesn't mean he prompted Stalin to go kill all the Russians. It means that even in the midst of that horror, he knows how to sort that out and bring good out of it for those people and generations to come for those who trust him. All right. It's time to, it's time to take a little break. We'll be right back with Guy Talk. Let me know if you have a question for us or a verse in the Bible or uh, anything you'd like for us to discuss, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. Guide Talk's happening. Let me know what the questions are. If you've got anything you'd like for us to discuss, we're wide open today. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to uh, ask away, 877-933-2484. Or if you like email and you're more comfortable doing that, you can send me an email, bill at myfaithradio.com. That would be just swell. Um, all right, let's... Uh, here's another question. Um, how do we proclaim Jesus to a skeptical world um, when there's a lot of Christians who appear to be hypocrites? Hmm. Probably the best thing we can do is just be honest. Yeah, there are hypocrites, and there are times, I hate to say it, Bill, I'm a hypocrite. I think my goal is to be as much like Jesus as I can, so I've got to repent. I think the problem is there's not enough open repentance and accepting responsibility by Christians, and a lot of times by Christian leaders, um, when they make a mistake. And if we just start doing that, because the emphasis is in Christianity is not on me and my leadership. It's on Jesus. And I don't want to do anything to tarnish Jesus, even though I'm a very tarnished person. But... You know, I I love that statement that I gave to some of you guys, you know. It says, Tom, you know, before Jesus called you to be his disciple maker, he took into account your stupidity. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. He's already ahead of me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging on to that real hard. I like it. I remember well, 
an, a guy, an old guy uh, that was at my former church, and and he told me how the senior pastor that preceded me got him into church. And this guy's family came to church every Sunday. He never came. So God bless Pastor Roger Carlson, went over, knocked on his door. Roy, don't you think you should be in church with your family? Oh, that Hope Lutheran Church, full of hypocrites. Roger Carlson said, room for one more. <laughs> and I think that's the point is, is um, I, I mean, I'm a hypocrite. I sin every day in thought, word, or deed. Come on, you know. And so when somebody from the outside looks in and says, well, I, I'm not going to be a Christian because I don't want to join those hypocrites. Well, take a look in the mirror. What are you, perfect? You yeah, know? right. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, I always wonder about whether when the hypocrite thing is—is is being a hypocrite the same as uh, being imperfect? Meaning that everybody's imperfect, but to me, at least, maybe I may be wrong, so I might be asking the question. Uh, hypocrisy is more of a conscious effort to pretend to be something that you're not. Mm. Yes, to be re- to be religious. And then internally or, you know, behaviorally not even come close. And mm-hmm. not, so it's, it's different than being imperfect, even though to the world they're, they're the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I am absolutely imperfect, but the goal would be that I'd have enough self-awareness to be addressing my areas of hypocrisy. Yeah, that, does that make sense? That, that does make sense. And when you say that, I think of a certain TV preacher. All he does is preach for you to send him money so you can be healed of your cancer. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. I mean, it's just some of these guys are just, the, the guy I'm thinking of in particular, it's horrible. And it's just money, 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 send it to me and you'll be healed. I can remember one pastor, this is back early in my ministry, and I think it was one of the times we were talking about the second coming, there are a lot of books out on it. And he actually came to my church and confronted me and he said, why aren't you preaching about this? I said, well, I believe in the second coming. I'm just not sure about all these books. And he said, well, you're basically abandoning the Lord. And that was a painful thing to hear. Well, yeah. this this prediction was very specific. Um, it was back in 88. Mm-hmm. And it came and it didn't happen. And then they said it was really 89 and it came yeah, and it didn't I happen. Remember. He called me one day and he said, can I come see you? I thought, great, <laughs> get beat up on again. 1994. He, yeah, he, <laughs> he came in and sat down and he said, brother, will you forgive me? He said, I, I put you in a horrible situation. I accused you of something that I thought was the right, you know, prophecy about this. I was wrong. You were right. Please forgive me. And he died a couple of years later. And I'll tell you, it hit me so hard that I made up my mind from that day forward. If I was going to follow Jesus, I was going to be an honest follower. And when I make mistakes, I'm going to admit it publicly. And that man really, really impressed me. And I'm thankful for him. Yeah, yeah. it's uh Again, that's a, that a perfection and the reality of imperfection, which I think is a little different than uh, full-fledged hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. I'm looking at a great passage out of 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 2, that says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Hmm. We shall see him as he is. What are your thoughts on that? I think, I think we will be become perfect upon our death. Mm-hmm. And I saw I saw a pretty disturbing for me video uh, recently of a Catholic priest talked about people being in in purgatory 
until the end of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oy, uh, I think the, the blessing of the gospel is my sins are covered. The atonement's been yeah. made. When I die, I'm forgiven. I go to heaven. And uh, so. Which verse is that again, uh, Bill? I'm just it's First John 3, 2. You know, I just I want to talk about some things that are super hopeful, and that's certainly one that's super hopeful uh, that we will see Jesus's face and enjoy Him forever. Mm-hmm. Boy, well, that's well, the truth. And to see Him as He really is, I think it just reminds me that at this side of heaven we see through a glass darkly. We see everything incompletely. We we think we got it all figured out, and we don't really have a clue. And I think that's part of what heaven will be is when we're like, oh, that's what that meant. You know, I mean, I, I just. I see him as he really is, as I think part of the whole experience will be none of our, our inability to understand that is part of my reality now will be present and we'll, we'll understand, and therefore it'll be all completely different. I've been preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for a long time, and uh, some people would say, I know what I'm talking about, which is really nice <laughs> to always hear, and I thank my mother when she said that. But what it comes down to is this, as much as I've studied the Word of God, over these years, and as much as I proclaimed and taught the Word of God over these years, what I think I know of Jesus and who He is is not yeah. even close to who He really is. I only see in part right now. I've got a very small glimpse as to who Jesus is, and I think that's the the assurance I want to give people. You know, when you're caught up in pain, you're caught up in things in your life that are going crazy, you don't understand. When things aren't working out, I think sometimes we minimize how big Jesus is, and even in the midst of that. He still knows what to do if you call on his name. And so I encourage people, we don't have any concept of what the Lord is capable of because too often we don't really see how big he truly is. The bigger he becomes in our mind, the better. But I won't yeah. know that fully until I get there. And on that yeah. day, I, I I love the passage, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I've been practicing for a long time getting on my knees because I have a feeling I'm going to go down real fast in his presence <laughs> And I want to be in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the old uh, J.B. Phelps book I read in college, Your God is Too Small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just uh, what we think we know and all the words we try to describe is just not not even close to completely understanding who God is, who Jesus is, and what heaven's like. Yeah. All right, we're uh, coming up against a hard break here in about a minute, so I may not jump into a, another question uh, before the break, but Tiger, I've got one pointed in your direction because of your uh, involvement in youth ministry, your whole career. And the question is, uh, from a man's perspective, what is the most important thing a single mom can do for her son so he grows into a godly man? Hmm. Oh, same thing uh, any parent can do is, you know, pray, <laughs> uh, be be as uh, loving and consistent as humanly possible, and uh, don't you know, a single parent needs to understand this too. Don't ever try to parent alone. No, no couple should ever try to parent completely alone. They need friends, resources, churches, uh, extended family to be coming alongside to help that boy become the the man that God desires him to be. And so there's lots of models, and it's a tough life, tough journey being a parent. Yeah, sure is. We'll take a little break. We got time for lots of questions. Let me know what they are. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Got some great ones coming in. We'll address them when we come back. You're listening to Guy Talk, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. So glad to have the uh, power panel in place today. We've got uh, Pastor Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and uh, Tiger McClune is joining us today. And Pastor Agent 007, Justin Jepson, will drop in whenever he can. I don't know when he's going to show up. He's not here yet, is he? See, he 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 works on his schedule. You know, ever since... You, you never can predict with him. That's the crazy part. All right, here's a question from a listener. How do you talk with someone believes that people, uh, how do you talk with someone who believes that people who are unengaged from the gospel, meaning no one has reached them with the gospel, and God is not good because they would go to hell if they don't believe what they've never heard? Basically, what I think is being said is the old argument, what about those that have never heard the gospel in the first place? Yeah. And Romans, Paul talks about a law on their, their, heart. on their heart. So there is a consciousness there, but the problem is they don't know the answer. I remember a great old missionary story, Bill. Uh, it was you a tell it? missionary. They were distributing Bibles in Africa, and they had taken, I don't know, like a thousand over to Africa. And so they went from village to village passing out the Bible. And in the last village they were in, in the last Bible they passed out, as they did, they saw a man coming over the hill running. And he had run like 15 miles, if you can imagine that. And and he said, I'm here for a Bible. And they said, I'm sorry, we we just came out or gave our last Bible away. And he's got one page of a Bible in his hand. He had carried it with him. And he said, I, I've read this over and over and over. I just want to see what's on the next page. <laughs> and I, I think that people want to know. We don't always do a good job at taking the time with people to listen to them to let them ask the kind of questions they need to ask, and then to share with them the reality of Jesus. And and as much as I love, and I've gone through all the evangelism training out there, and I do believe in that, but I think those are tools. You know, if it doesn't come from your heart when you talk about Jesus, if it doesn't come from your heart when you share with people and invite them into the kingdom of God, it's very hard for people to make connection. They, they just don't need you know, just the facts, although that's important, but they also need the a reality in your life. So I understand what they're saying. Now, what happens to those people? Paul tells us that God will be eminently fair. He knows exactly what he's doing with those people, but his will is that we take the gospel throughout the entire world. And so we have to be even more diligent in getting the gospel everywhere we can. How can Romans 10, how can they believe in, in, in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless a preacher is sent? I think if you don't have Christ at your death, you go to hell. And, uh, and you know, God, you're right. God will be fair. And people don't go to hell because they didn't hear about Jesus. They go to hell because of their sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we need, it's, it's, I mean, the early church died to get the gospel out. And that's because they had the belief that you need to hear this to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I think once you believe that, it sure affects the way you spend your money. You uh, well, you support everything. support missions. You talk yeah. to people about Christ. Uh, well, this week I handed the four spiritual laws to a guy just because I knew I, I didn't have the opportunity to give him the whole whole ton of works, uh, the whole uh, Christian gospel, but he's got it in his hand. And I think we just need to be very... Um, 
very uh, insistent that we get the word out. Uh, given all those things are exactly true uh, about the power and need for your commitment to evangelism, the, the, the question that the, the person raised about what what about people who have never heard it? They live in a part of the world that, that, that for some reason they've never ever had that experience. Uh, my maybe again not the smart guy in the room, but I just simply would say I don't I don't know. I, I do think God will be fair, and um, I don't know how that works. I don't know how I, I have to trust that God's grace is bigger than what I think. That there's it's not a it's not a a, a formula. Uh, but that there's grace abounds in ways that I don't understand. So I, 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 to that person, I would say my response is I, the side of heaven, that's part of the thing I don't understand either. But and, that's just me. And we can also, sometimes the people that raise that issue, it's more like a smoke screen. They really don't care about the people in Africa that have never heard the gospel. They're looking right. for a reason that they don't have to accept the gospel. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you're right. It could be. Or the fact that we, as Christians, the longer we're in the church, the greatest danger is the lazier we become. We're so familiar with the message, and we're so familiar with the worship, and we're so familiar with the songs, uh, that we forget about those that don't know, and we don't have the passion to go after them. And I think that's the passion we need. We need to have the same passion for our relatives, friends, co-workers, and others that we had on the very first day that we met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that passion has to be there. Now, I'll throw another challenge out here in our thinking. We have had a large number of babies aborted in the United States. Are those human beings? All of us would say yes. They never heard the gospel. What do we do? What do we do with that? And I think all of us would say, wait a minute. The Lord is eminently fair. And he understands the circumstances and he knows how to deal with it. I'm not sure that's any different between a baby in the womb and an 80-year-old man in Brazil in the jungle in the Amazon that's never heard. I think our responsibility is to get up and to go and bring them that word. And then if they choose not to respond, that's a different matter altogether. But the point is, not only are we telling them so they get saved for eternity, but so they get saved now and start leading a life that reflects his glory and is a blessing to others. I don't want to... And I'm not saying you're saying this, Tom, but I don't want to be of the belief that as long as you don't hear the gospel, you'll go to heaven, because then let's keep the missionaries home, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you wind up going there, you've missed the point. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Right. We should have more fervency to go out, not less. I, I, I think if I read the New Testament right, Jesus is the only Savior. Romans 10, you have to believe in him to be saved. And how can be- people believe unless a preacher is sent? Right. And I think we leave it at that and... Uh, Otherwise, we lose the zeal for the gospel. and you know. So the burden, and I agree with you, the burden of getting the message out is not so much on what happens to the person that doesn't hear. It's on us that are not taking the message. There you go. I also want to welcome into the program Agent Justin Jepson. Justin, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Sorry for my, my late arrival here, but thanks for still having me for the last no, uh, I'm 20, sure you, 20 minutes of the show here. <laughs> I'm sure you were on some covert operation, so it doesn't matter. It's classified. I could tell you about it. I mean, but I'm, definitely not on public radio. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, be, because you are a, a dad with some young ones, I'll, I'll throw out another mm. uh, question that was uh, brought up earlier in the, in the group. A listener sure. wanted to know, from a man's perspective, what is the most important thing a single mom can do for her son so he grows into a godly man? 
Oh my goodness! Wow, what a great question. The mm-hmm. single most important, a single, the single mom can do for her son. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think. Um, yeah, you know the thing that comes that comes in my mind too. I, I really, my heart goes out to 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 this mom, and I think for her to realize that she she can't do raise her son to be a godly man all by herself and. Um, while the Lord is going to, I believe, going to give her and has given her a special anointing to do so according to her given circumstance. But I think to get him plugged in as early and as often as possible to a local church uh, to really develop um, really his love for the Lord and the love for the church uh, so that there'll be other um, godly mentors in his life, uh, um, other men in his life. Um, for the church to be able to stand in and fill the gap, and that that's true, you know, not only for 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 any for any parents raising a you know raising a kid. I mean, there's there was a study that by um, it was Kara Powell and the, um, the Youth Leadership Institute a number of years ago, and she wrote a book called called Sticky Faith, and they identified one of the things that that in order for in terms of terms for a faith to stick is that, that a teenager or a young person growing up needed to have at least five other people outside of the family mm. that were mo- modeling a life of authentic faith. And so, and that was true um, not only for um, kids growing up in a single-parent home, but also for having um, a mom and a dad in the home. And so um, I think it's, it'll be absolutely crucial for, for the single mom to be plugged in in, in a vital way, an intentional way to, in the local church. And Justin, you know why I know that is the truth? Because that's the same answer that Tiger McLuhan gave about ten minutes ago. I know it's ago. like it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's good. Yeah. I mean, this is how well, good this panel is. I mean, that was night. That was exactly the yeah, same answer. Yeah, it was. If that was Tiger. Tiger approved. Then I, I feel okay. Then that's good. So I'm, I'm just a broken record. You know. I'm, no. Yeah. Well, that's not only, and, and the point there, Justin, is exactly right. It's not only that you have five surrounding the person modeling it but also investing in that child is right praying exactly. for in relationally There's, building a relationship of trust and love yeah. with that with that with that child so yeah God, they're showing issue. up at their ball games and they're yeah. going to the choir practices they're the ones helping pick yeah. them up taking them to and from so tiger i didn't even know yeah. you're on the show so hi that's great <laughs> great <laughs> yeah bill lets me in once in a while yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah so, my wife, um, when, Bill, when Bill asked me, my wife said, well, who couldn't show up? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is Peter Kapsner. So anyway. Peter Kapsner. There you go. <laughs> no, Tiger, I'd have you every week. You know that. All right, here's another question. Uh, this is sad because this uh, listener said two good friends lost their child, was uh actually choked to death while the parents were in another room. Oh, my. Obviously, oh. obviously they're beyond devastated. They feel very guilty. The marriage is on uh, uh, just, it's on shaken ground right now. I mean, individually, I'm sure they're both rattled to the core, of course. Um, the question is, is there a specific things I can do to truly be there for them and help them through this terrible time? That's a oh. huge question. Oh, I don't know if anybody feels uh, qualified to even respond to this one, except maybe we should just start praying for this couple. Well, no. the, pain, the pain of loss is, is so deep, and, and a, a parent losing a child is is in a whole other league. And, and um, this person, 
it obviously recognizes the depth of that just because they're reaching out to you and others to say, what can I do? Um, I, I think my response would be uh, just come alongside, try not to say stupid things, you know, that sometimes we try to make it better or put a Band-Aid on it or stop a person's pain by saying something and what we say really isn't even helpful. Uh, I don't know. I just think being being with that person, and and she's right. Marriages, when they, uh, couples lose a child, uh, it puts a stress on the marriage that uh, too many don't survive, and that's that's huge. So just even helping them think through what they need to do to heal and move forward, it's uh, that's just the worst story right there. I, uh, my heart breaks for them. I've actually lived I, this twice. I lost a grandson. <laughs> Our first grandson, tragically, and I know of a family very similar to this where their child died at 18 months, and I had no idea, guys, what to do, yeah. except by God's grace, I'll tell you what began to happen. For the first three months, I contacted that family twice a week, by phone or in person. I didn't bring them any great message. I sat and I listened. And I prayed with them. And then I stayed in contact for at least once a month or twice a month for the next two years. What was interesting about it is that I didn't come with any great answers. I came with Jesus. But their marriage in this one case was saved simply because after a year they said, we have been blaming each other so much for the loss of our child. And we have quit talking to one another. The only time we've really been talking is when you're here. And we just started talking again, and I don't know how we would have gotten there. I think time is one mm -hmm. of the greatest things you can give people and your faith in Jesus. But there are no good answers to these kind of no. things. There are no simple answers. It, it stinks. It's painful. And I think a lot of it is spending time and crying with them. Mm -hmm. I think you're exactly right. All right. There's a little bit of quiet, so I'll take that as a pause, and then we'll uh, take a short break and be right back. Uh, Guy Talk is, is happening right now. Tiger McClune, Justin Jepson, Tom Parrish, Tom Brock is the power panel, and we're delighted to take your questions. You can send them over to me, 877-933-2484, 877-93-FAITH, or you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. to the show. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're uh, having a good day. Uh, just got a text from a listener, so I want to be super sensitive. They're going through uh, a very difficult time, and walking with Jesus is tough at times. I could use a prayer of encouragement. Pastor Tom Parrish, would you uh, give, give this, yep. this dear yeah. listener a prayer of encouragement? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, you know who this listener is, and you know exactly what they're walking through. And Lord, sometimes in the midst of that, it's very hard to feel your presence. It's very hard to be close to you. But Lord, surround them with your arms. Let your word that they have put into their heart come back to them. 
reassure them and let them know, Jesus, they're not alone. And you know where you're going. And you're going to be there with them through the midst of everything they're facing. So, Jesus, touch them right now. Bring peace to their heart. Most of all, give them your hope. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. There are seasons that are very tough for every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know what comes to mind? When I was going through my worst ordeal of my life, a pastor said to me, Tom, guard against self-pity. It'll do absolutely no good. Mm. And that's not saying I never pity myself because I do, but I try to not let that sit in me very long. Just, you know, really pitting yourself does absolutely no good. So, and I'm not saying this person is doing that. We no, all, no, I know you're hard not. Stuff. Know. It's, it's, uh, it's some good self-talk, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you, you talk to people that say, oh, I'm, so, I'm so depressed about how depressed I am. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, mm-hmm. you can cut your depression in half by, <laughs> by not being depressed about how depressed and, you are. And you know, what you're talking about is <laughs> Psalms does that self-talk. Why art thou disquieted right. within me, O my soul? Hope in the Lord. I shall again praise right. him. Yeah, you it's know. a positive self-talk. Well, there, and in the Psalms, there's a lot of um, what I'll call righteous arguing with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you allow the sinners to prevail? And why did the righteous suffer? And I think just simply being honest with the Lord is one of the best things you can do. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I want to keep in mind that, you know, you're mentioning the Psalms, that these were often communal uh, mm-hmm. songs that were sung in the context of community. So even for this listener to call in and ask for that prayer, um, it's, it's, it's sometimes the, it's the hardest thing to do is to be able to reach out and to actually open up and be honest. And I think, of the, you know, that, that the Beatitude, blessed are those who, are, who mourn for they shall be comforted. And so I think, you know, I heard one pastor say that really what that's getting about is having the courage to get out here what's going on in here. In other words, to get what's really going on on the inside, get it outside. And for those that have the courage to do that and to do that in the context of a trusted community, um, there's comfort for them there in that place. Yeah, yeah. There's a passage in Ephesians, gentlemen, that says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, many people uh, are saying, well, I'm not sure if I know what God wants me to do in life. And how will I recognize these good works God has set me uh, out, set out for me to do? That's a head scratcher for a lot of people. Uh, I always, you know, work with people and, and say, try, it's okay to experiment, to try some things and see uh, I think there's generally I've found that when when people find the niche that God has created for them, there's an internal sense of this is both doesn't mean it's wonderful all the time, but there's a sense of reward, mm-hmm. uh, sense of of a, a connection with ourselves, and then there should be some external uh, affirmation. People uh, and, and experiences remind us that this seems to be a place where there's some fruit, there's some energy. People are saying, you know, you're contributing, whatever that is. That internal and external um, connection is important to, for people to figure out where where has God placed me? What has God called me to do? What gifts has he provided for me? Yep. And it's a process. And I think they're right. What you're good at is probably what your gift is. And, yep. you know, mm-hmm. we, well, we all have different spiritual gifts. So I would ask people, what do you think I'm good at? Because that's probably mm-hmm. where the Lord's going to be. I mean, I remember years ago I had a professor of church history and you know no offense it was the most boring class i ever had <laughs> and i couldn't i couldn't help but think 
did this man miss his calling? I don't know. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, you, you got to ask, okay, Lord, what have you gifted me? I mean, if you're a good preacher, spend your time doing that. Don't spend it, you know, if you're, uh, don't spend it running the business aspect of the church if you're terrible at that. Get in your niche that you just mentioned, and that's where I think the Lord will use you the most. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- and I think I, I heard it. Every, go ahead. Oh, go, no, I was just going to say, I think I've heard it said, you know, I think that your calling lies at the convergence of your greatest passion and the world's greatest need, you know, and so you think about what 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 comes alive in you, you know, what, what do you get excited about, what are you passionate about, and sometimes um, what you're most passionate about, listen to maybe what frustrates you, what you're most angry about, or what's what's broken in the world, and that God's, you, you know, I love that word that you were workmanship, that Greek word poemo, that that, that idea is literally, it's, it's, a, it's a piece, it's a masterpiece in the working, so God's as, as what's already been t- talked about from the other guys that shared, that it, it is a process, and sometimes it changes. I think there's a lifelong, you know, calling that'll be consistent in terms of where God places you, but there will be different nuances and uh, different seasons of life where maybe that'll be applied in different ways. I think you're right. Your pl- they say your passion plus your gift equals your calling. So let's say your passion is uh, children, and let's say your gift is teaching. Well, then your calling is to teach children, you know, and just whatever you're passionate about, you match that, match that with your gift, and that's probably your calling in life. Okay, I'm going to push this a little further, because I think there's another step to this that we're missing. Everybody has a talent. Doesn't matter who you are in the world, everybody's got a talent of some kind, whether it's playing the piano, whether it is uh, throwing a baseball, whether it is doing that. Okay, so how many more great astronomers does the Lord need in this world? If you have a gift for astronomy and you love looking at the stars and you love photographing them, how many more of those does he really need in terms of his message of salvation and eternity? Probably none when you get right down to it. But they have the talent. The issue is, do they take that talent and then with their spiritual gifts, if they're a believer, find that that becomes their pulpit? So they, when they talk to people about the stars, they just don't talk about you know, the nebulas and then out there. They talk about the creation of the Lord. They talk about how the Lord has put it all together. If you're a medical doctor and you're really good, I had a great surgeon for my, my foot when he did surgery. Great surgeon. Well, it, that's a talent. But if he's a believer, mm-hmm. his platform now is to take that talent in surgery, do the absolute best he can, so that on top of that, he can tell people mm-hmm. about the perfection of Jesus. And I think too often we, we mix the two up. You know, uh, too many people I know, gifted people, are good with money. All right? I don't think the Lord needs any more money people in that sense in the world. But a lot of people good with money. But how many of those people then see that as their pulpit or their way of proclaiming Jesus by dispersing that money to really help an awful lot of people grow into the kingdom of God. So I, I think it is uh, a both and, but I think too many of us, we're happy when people find their talents, and then we give them a spiritual gift inventory, but we really link the two together to show them where it needs to go. Yeah. All right. Does God have a sense of humor? <laughs> well, he created me, so I'm sure he does. <laughs> okay. He put us together. Yeah. Ask the guy who does comedy for a living. <laughs> well, you know, you try to picture the, the 12, you know, being together for three years, and they're sitting around a campfire at night, um, and there, there must have been some laughter. Mm-hmm. There must have been lots of joy. You know, when you hear that children are, were drawn to Jesus, I mean, that's a, a guy that usually has some kind of energy that is attractive to kids. You know, the mm-hmm. the old stodgy guy is not drawing kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. so there's... Mm-hmm. 
All, ki- all kinds of uh, indications to me that, uh, you know, God created our brains that has this uh, pharmacy of chemicals in our head that naturally get released when we laugh. And it just literally medicates us. It's and, healing. And yeah, yeah, it not only heals us, but it allows us to feel less pain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we have that ongoing joy that, that can last for hours. You, I'm going to embarrass you, Bill. You have a natural talent for humor. I mean, I've watched you. I've seen your plays. I know how good you are. And I've quoted you often uh, in humor because it's so good. You took it the next step, though. Not only was it the humor, you took it the step where the, your humor is now to glorify the Lord. And that's what I've seen you do. Now, how many humorists do that? Or do they just want to be able to keep doing their, their stage plays and getting paid for it? As a Christian, you took it to the next level. It isn't just a place to get an income. It's a place for you to proclaim the gospel. You're doing the same thing here on the yeah. radio. That's what every Christian needs to be doing. Yeah, just so sad we're out of time. Uh, so we can, <laughs> can't talk about me some more. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that wraps up. That wraps up our one a guy talk. We're going to be around for 30 more minutes. Tiger, I don't know if you've got uh, time that you can stick on for a little bit longer, but if you can, great. Um, And Justin, thank you for joining us today. We'll take a little break. When we come back, lots more with Guy Talk. All right. I got to sneak out. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.